morning. My name's Mitch. I'm a, a lay pastor here at First United Methodist Church, and it's my honor and privilege to uh, welcome you this morning to uh, Lights, Camera, Christmas. So welcome to the movies. Um, we're going to start off this Advent season with a um, this whole uh, sermon series of this season of Advent leading up to uh, the birth of Christ, Emmanuel, uh, God with us. We're going we're gonna to go and unpack some biblical truths through some shared uh, knowledge that we all may have with our shared experiences of holiday classic cinema. Our uh, scripture today is found in Philippians, uh, the Apostle Paul's letter to this church in Philippi as a faithful planter of churches, preacher of the good news of Jesus' resurrection. Paul is encouraging others to act more like Christ so they can become more like Christ. Paul writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So this scripture we're going to take with us on our journey in the Wayback Machine to 1957. Some of you were there. I was not. Um, this was the birthplace of the Grinch who stole Christmas. Are you familiar with this? Do we all have kind of a common shared understanding of the synopsis of this story? Grinch hates Christmas. The Who's, the villagers, love Christmas. The Grinch steals all the Christmas goodies, all the trimmings and trappings from the whole town on Christmas Eve in an attempt to rob them of the joy of the season, only to have a last-minute change of heart or growth of heart and bring all the things back. The people of Whoville receive him lovingly and welcome him into participating in the festivities. Dr. Seuss's book, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, originally released in 1957. It was then adapted into a narrated cartoon in 1966 and is aired on network or and or cable television every single December since. It was actually on NBC last night. Maybe you're on the younger generation. I know there's a few of you out there who only know the Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch right here. Watched this one with the family last night, thought about scrapping this whole thing and starting over, writing a different <laughs> message, but I already have my slides in. So this will be for like next Christmas or something, we'll talk about this version. But, uh, you know, some of you may have never even heard of, you know, uh, Boris Karloff, who narrated the uh, original, original television short. Or maybe, maybe you are a, in the middle generation and you think um, Jim Carrey live action version is the only way to go. That one? Oh, we got love for Jim Carrey. Oh, and some booze? And so, yeah, all right. I like the feedback this morning. All right, we're not going to talk about this one either. Um, because maybe, just maybe some of you are of the uh, highbrow literary snobs. Anybody out here? Anybody out here? The book is better. The book was better, people? All right, that's me on several things. For, for, for starters... I don't like other people's imaginations cluttering my mind, okay? I want to read the book 
get, let my own imagination figure out what Schmeagel looks like before, before they show me what it looks like, right? So, so for the literary snobs, um, the one who experience the written word first and don't want to be interpretations of imagination by others, which is gross, <laughs> I would like you to allow me to go to the original literary work, and you must, I have the microphone. So I would like to use this original text. I really wanted to provide you with a theatrical reading of the whole book, which I did, which was a little over eight minutes long, which was too much for this morning, so I videotaped it. It came out in Pastor Adam's Friday email, so it's out there if you want to, you know, if you've never read this book, you can go um, get it read to you like story time. Um, because I do, I, this is a book I read every year. But what I want to do this morning is I want to deconstruct some of our uh, assumptions about our pal the Grinch, our population the Who's, find some compassion and empathy, and maybe, just maybe draw some parallels between their world and ours. And then try to draw on this life and teaching of Jesus to help us navigate our own grinchiness and who-ness. Because I think we can all identify with them in some way. So let's jump in and see if we can clear the air and see what we can do to level the playing field between the Grinch and the Who's. Because let's face it, they're different from one another, right? So here's page one of the book. Every Who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot. So before we go on to the next page, who can tell me something we're going to learn about the Grinch? Right? What's, what's something? Shout out a characteristic about the Grinch. He does. Anything physical? Yeah, he's green. Yeah, but he's not. Show the next page. That's why we're using the original work. Look, the Grinch isn't green. The Grinch lives just north of Whoville did not. All the characters in the original book are drawn in the same black and white pen and ink illustration. They're the same. They're not different. The Who's and the Grinch, they're the same. Under the fur, they're definitely the same anyway. This is an important side note about the 60s. In 1966, all when this short movie, this one right here, came out, the short film came out on television... All the major networks had converted to a full-color schedule. Therefore, they produced the show in color. Therefore, the Grinch, they made him green. And every Grinch film since then has made the Grinch green. This is an important note because I want you to understand that the Grinch is not an alien creature. He's not some beast from another planet. He's not like the Bumble Lurk, lurking out there, that's another Christmas classic we're not going to talk about in this series, but, um, but he's, not the, he's not the abominable snowman, he's, he's the Grinch. Um, he's not like, does anybody, anybody else's wife make him watch that movie, A Quiet Place? That was creepy. Jim from The Office made this movie where these aliens respond to sound, kids don't watch it, parents don't watch it, I don't like it, I didn't like it, there was a sequel, she made me watch that one. Anyway... That is not what we're talking about. The Grinch is not an evil alien. He's just like the Who's. So if you look at this original artwork, as far as I can tell, in the first two lines of the story here, the only thing that makes the Grinch and the Who's different is geography. The Who's are the ones who are in Whoville. The Grinch who lives just north of Whoville. We don't know how he got here, but he's here. He's on the outside. He may have been ostracized. He may have put himself there. It may be a little of both. All we know is the Who's are in, 
The Grinch is out. Has anybody ever been in the in crowd? Any cool kids in here? Come on. It's okay. I've been there. You know, it kind of, you go in, you get out. It's okay. Has anybody ever been on the outside? Ever been on the out and not on the in crowd? I got a third grader who's the only third grader I hear who doesn't have a poppet. Does anybody know what a poppet is? It's a glorified potholder. <laughs> I'm serious. I think you could do that with it. If you've got a hot pan and you don't want to burn the counter, put it on a poppet. It's a glorified potholder that you poke and then turn around and poke it again. So anyway, his dad's a jerk and he doesn't have a poppet. But you can understand that feeling of being in or being out. Think of it like one of those one-sided sports rivalries, like that sports team that just always wins versus the, the, the arch nemesis that, that never wins. And the one that always wins, they don't know. They don't know that they're this arch nemesis that always wins. They're always winning. They're not busy worrying about the other team. There's a team like this. There's a basketball team like this. The town will name, remain unnamed, but I don't think they've ever lost a basketball game in Division I basketball in Northwest Missouri. But yeah, everybody's like, no, I don't want to go there. And they didn't know, right? But from the Grinch's perspective, the Who's are always winning. Always winning. If you're familiar with the story, the, the Grinch, he, the boys and girls, they rush to their toys on Christmas morning. And oh, the noise, 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 noise. He couldn't stand the noise of their joy. And then they eat and they feast and they feast and they feast, 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 feast. And he can't stand that. And then they start the worst of all, they start singing. There's nothing more joyful than singing, right? And the Grinch is just, ugh, the singing, singing, singing. The more joy he sees the Who's experience, the more sad and alone he feels and becomes. He becomes jealous, but not admittedly. I could even argue that the Grinch, the Grinch stole Christmas because he wanted to be a part of it. He was acting out to get a little attention. At least the villain gets a role in the story, right? It gave him a little control. We've all been guilty of acting a little grinchy, haven't we? But that doesn't make us monsters. It makes us selfish. But this is the opposite of Christ's call on our lives. To be like Jesus, Paul instructs us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. So grinchiness is awful selfish, right? If I'm not going to have fun, no one else will either. I'm sure that's been in there, maybe not in those exact words, but I'm sure many of you can relate to that feeling. It's maybe crossed our minds. But I don't want to let the who's off the hook either. I don't know how Christian the old who's we're acting. We don't have a backstory. That's why we're at the original literary work here, because in the other movies, sometimes they try to give you the backstory, but we're going to the original text. And uh, we don't know 
We don't know, but it seems that this Christmas, the Grinch was not invited to participate in the Whoville festivities. We as Christians, like Who's, know that the love of Christ and forgiveness he offers is free to all who accept it. All are welcome at the feast. But sometimes we act like those Who's in Whoville, don't we? With our tinsel and trappings are singing and feasting. We just assume everyone knows they're welcome. We're celebrating this joy, but are we sharing it like we're called to do? Or do we simply label those who are feeling a little differently this season as Scrooges or Grinches? Let's face it, it's easier to block out Grinchy people than engage them, but that's not what we're called to do, is it? I think if the who's asked Jesus how many times they should invite old Grinchy down for Christmas dinner before they just write him off for good, I imagine Jesus would say something like 70 times 7. Keep inviting him. So, if you're familiar with the story, the Grinch is swiping all the Christmas goodies, right? He's taking everything from the houses, leaving crumbs much too small for all the who's mouses. When he gets caught in the act by little Cindy Lou Who. Does anybody remember how old she is? Not more than two. Here's our scene. Cindy Lou Who jumps in and she catches the old Grinchy Claus in the act. And she says, Santa Claus, why? Why are you taking our Christmas tree? Why? Boom. The Grinch just got it all laid out there by a child. It's the worst. It's our turning point of our story here. The old Grinchy Claus, he doesn't change course immediately, but his conscience has been engaged, and this is the single interaction the Grinch has with a who. Without this connection, I don't think the story is very believable. So remember this moment. So then next, you know, he sends her back to bed with a glass of cold water, and he goes to the chimney and stuffs the tree up. And goes and loads up his sleigh and takes it to the tip top of Mount Crumpet to dump it. And, and there he waits to hear the cry of the who's all go boo-hoo. And it's a cry he simply must hear. So he pauses, puts his hand to his ear. And in that moment, he hears the, the who's singing. And they're celebrating Christmas, because Christmas came all the same without, without all the stuff that he took when he thought he stole Christmas. And in this moment, the Grinch has a change of heart. Seuss says it grows three sizes. I say the Holy Spirit may have had a breakthrough. The Grinch experiences this meaning of Christmas. God has come to be with us, and God wants us to come home. Hear how the author of Ecclesiastes puts in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Verse there, he set everything in the human heart. It means every man, woman, and child are made for God. Every one of us has a longing for the eternal God, 
Theologian Augustine put it like this, our hearts are restless till we find our rest in thee. All of our longings in this life are really longings for God, were made for eternity, and this Grinch has just experienced a 180. He's had a spiritual and emotional 180 that has turned into a physical 180. He spins his sleigh around, and at this point in the story, the Grinch rushes back in to Whoville, spreading Christmas cheer, replacing all that he has taken, and then you get the final page of the book, which is one of my favorite lines, and he himself, the Grinch, carved the roast beast. I love that line. So, when this season comes around, and it's here, friends, full force, look all around us, some of us might find ourselves like the early Grinch, at arm's length with all those experiencing joy. Are we isolated? Have we isolated ourselves? Maybe we find ourselves alone. Maybe you find yourself alone. Maybe alone for the first time. Maybe it's first Christmas without a loved one you've lost. Or without the kids at home. Or with the family split and separated. But it's different. If that's you, you're going to be uh, tempted to disconnect, right? To wait for spring. But I want to encourage you to not pull back from Jesus, but press in. Load all that up. Spin that sleigh around and bring it on down here. You're welcome. Always here in this space and place. If you're not feeling up to all the joy of the season... I want to invite you to join us for that blue Christmas Adam mentioned earlier. It's a service of hope and healing for all those that are experiencing this sort of loss. It's December 21st, 530, right here. It's the longest night of the year and designed to help those recover from grieving. Grieving anything, any loss, any loneliness, any separation. But maybe your grinchiness is less severe. Maybe you're just annoyed by all the forced family time. And if you need a survival tool for that, I'm going to once again point to something Pastor Adam shared with us last week. You can find it in his sermon at the very end. If you want to go to Carney.church, pull up the message, fast forward to the end, or listen to the whole thing. But here it is. This is a little prayer he shared with us to help us in those times of mild grinchiness. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Help me see others the way you see me. Very powerful tool. Or maybe you're not in either one of those camps. Maybe you find yourself smack dab in the middle of Whoville, so surrounded by and engulfed in Christmas cheer that you can't understand why anyone could be blue in this season. If that's you, if your lights and tree have been up for a month and a half now, and you're overflowing with joy, I'm going to ask you to spread it, but do it thoughtfully. Paul says, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one 
of mind. Paul's calling us to be empathetic, tenderness, and compassion. Maybe you need to be more aware of those around you and what they're going through and bring it down a notch. Understand that not everyone is the same place you are. Not everyone is a who down in Whoville at the moment. If you feel like you're on the outside of God's love, I need you to know that that's not him that's keeping you there. And if you're on the inside this morning, let this be a reminder that we are called to have that same mercy, grace, and compassion of Christ. See, the inside has a special place for everyone, reserved. Reserved for all those that aren't here yet. Those that haven't heard the good news, those that refuse to hear the good news, and those that just haven't even responded yet to that good news of Christ. So I think we all have a little grinchiness in us. And we all have our fair share of oblivious who-ness as well. But as we kick off this Advent season, I want us to look for opportunities to be a little Cindy Lou Who. Because that's the humble Christ-likeness in this story. Kind, compassionate, not judging, loving, trusting. Sure, the resilience of the Who's to celebrate in the absence of the commercialization was the final aha moment for Mr. Grinch. But it started with that small voice. Why? Why are you doing this, Mr. Santa Claus? Why? For us, we can fill in that blank, right? Why? Why are you uh, avoiding God? Why are you so angry all the time? Why are you pushing away from those who love you. Why? I know it's a 50-year-old children's book, but we have to find time for relationship. And I think that teaches us here that because this one page with Cindy Lou Who, one page in this whole story, multiple movie franchises have been built out of this small book into a 30-minute TV special into major motion pictures, one page of that book with Cindy Lou Who is the only conversation in the story. Everything else is speculation on parts of the Who and parts of the Grinch and internal dialogue. It took that real interaction to soften that heart of the Grinch and bring him home. So Jesus is working on the Grinchiness in me. All those Cindy Lou Who's throughout my life, loving me, not judging me, checking in on me, asking simple questions like Cindy Lou Who does, they were doing and are still doing that prep work for the explosive changing power of the Holy Spirit that can draw us all home into an eternal relationship with God. You know, where our hearts will find rest that relationship we were made for, that eternity we seek. Amen?